0: Well, we're going to be talking again today about holding grudges, and maybe I should say it this way, we're going to be talking today about how to let go of grudges that we might be holding against somebody who has hurt us. Now, the fact is, in life, we have probably all been hurt by somebody, either something they said, something they did, something they failed to do. Maybe it was something they said about us or against a family member that that we love very much, and, and they have done something against that family member. Sometimes, and I've noticed this if somebody does something against a member of my family, I have a harder time with that than I do if they do something against me. And so, if we're not careful as we go through life, we can get our feelings hurt and we can let a bitter root develop in our hearts. And we can carry that grudge with us, and we can become a very jaded person, a very sarcastic person, and even a very angry person if we don't learn how to deal with these offenses that come up in our lives. Now, sometimes people offend us or they hurt us, and they mean to. It's an intentional thing. They say something or do something that that they're trying to they're they're trying to hurt us when they say that or do that. But sometimes in life, I'm convinced of this: we can get our feelings hurt, and the person who hurt our feelings is not even aware that they did it. Maybe we see somebody at the grocery store and they don't speak to us, and we think, "Well, why were they being rude to me?" Well, they may not even have uh, seen us, or maybe they did see us, but they had their mind on something else and so we get offended, and they didn't even mean to offend us. Or maybe somebody can say something, and when they say it, uh, they didn't mean it to offend us, but in fact, it did offend us. And so we have to learn how to deal with these offenses in life and to be free from that. Bitterness is something that God wants us to be free from. He doesn't want us to hold a grudge he doesn't want us to be bitter and resentful and anger, angry because all that does is it just drains and, and saps the spiritual vitality out of us. And so we have to forgive. In, in, in the book of Ephesians, Paul said that we are to forgive others as uh, Christ Jesus has forgiven us. And we have to do that in order to live a free life. And so today, as we listen to this message about uh, not being offended and letting go of grudges. Let me just kind of remind you of a couple of things I said in the previous message. When it comes to our relationships with other people, maybe one of the best and first things we could do is learn to lower our expectations. I think sometimes we expect of others what they can never provide for us. We expect them to always be kind, to always be considerate, to always be thoughtful, and to always build us up. And the fact is we're expecting more of them than we ourselves are capable of doing uh, for others. No, we're not, I'm not always kind. I want to be. I try to be, but sometimes I'm not. I'm not always uh, as, as, as encouraging to others as what I should be. And that's just true of all of us. So we have to lower the expectation. Don't expect another person to be perfect. If you do that, you're going to place such uh, pressure on that relationship that it's probably going to crumble. It can't stand the weight of that. And then the second thing I would encourage you to do when you do get your feelings hurt, uh, just let yourself be human. And just remember that God gave you these emotions. The Bible says that sometimes the Holy Spirit is grieved. We know that sometimes God is displeased with our behavior. And so sometimes we're displeased with others. Sometimes others hurt our feelings And so we just have to let ourselves be human. Sometimes maybe a person will hurt another person and then that person who's been hurt goes to his friend and says, you're not going to believe what they said. And that person said, well, you got to just forgive them. You got to just let it go. Well, it is true. We have to forgive and let it go. But there's a process we have to work through of, of, of verbalizing and, and, and getting these feelings out. We don't want to stuff our emotions and suppress them. We have to let ourselves be human. That's part of the process of, of truly forgiving and truly working through it. And so we lower expectations and we learn to be human. And then in the message today, we're going to pick up by saying that we need to look at the situation a little bit differently. So maybe this sermon will be a blessing to you today. I hope it will. Thanks for listening. So the first thing we want to do to, when it comes to holding grudges, lower the expectations. That'll make you less likely to hold a grudge in the first place. Number two, let yourself be human. You've been hurt. It's normal. It's natural. Don't skip over. Don't suppress your feelings. Third step that we need to take, and it's so very helpful, and that is look at the situation differently. You see, when somebody does something or says something that hurts us, we look at it naturally from our perspective. And we think, man, this really hurts me. We're looking at it from how it affects us and how it makes us feel. But I would encourage you to look at it from God's perspective. Remembering this, God is in control. If somebody has hurt you, God didn't cause it, but God allowed it. And God's looking to see how you respond to it. And so, Try to look at it from God's perspective and ask yourself this question. How would God have me to respond to what has happened to this situation? One counselor said this, and I think it's so very true. When we hold on to grudges and resentment, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Now you think about that. Somebody has hurt you, so you're holding a grudge and you're angry and you're resentful and you're rehearsing and replaying this thing in your mind, and you think that by doing that, you're getting back at that person. Well, they don't even know you're doing any of that. They're out there living their life, man. They may not even be thinking about you. You're drinking poison, and you're thinking, hoping that they get sick from your drinking. Someone has said bitterness is an acid that eats away from the inside out. And so God would not have us to be bitter. We have to look at it differently. I was, I was listening. In fact, I had a pastor call me some months ago from Georgia. And this particular man's probably 75 years old. And so uh, he's got a lot of experience and he's got a lot of wisdom. And he said to me, he said, John, did you read the new study that came out by Tom Rainer at Lifeway of the Southern Baptist Convention where they had studied... 211 churches that had either plateaued or were declining. And these 211 churches, they were plateaued, they were declining, and then in the process of time, they stopped declining, they leveled out, and then they started growing again. And so Lifeway did a study of all 211 churches to figure out how did these churches experience growth When they were declining, how did they turn it around? And they noticed nine things that all 211 churches had in common. The first thing was each one of those churches had a fresh emphasis on prayer. And that's another sermon for another day. But that's why we're trying to have some emphasis on Sunday night on prayer, calling out to God, seeking God. But the second thing on the list of nine things all churches had in common, the second thing on the list was that the pastor of all those churches, the staff members in all those churches, and all the other leaders in the churches. In other words, the pastor and staff are not the only leaders. You have deacons, you have Sunday school teachers, you have choir members, you have ushers. and Everybody in those churches who was in a leadership position was free of bitterness. They had an attitude of love even in the face of of criticism. Now that doesn't mean those pastors or those other leaders liked criticism, but they had learned what I'm talking about today. They had learned how to process it and how not to hold a grudge. And so if you're a Sunday school teacher and you have a bitter spirit, uh, a jaded, cynical attitude... Well, your class can only do so well. But if you have a spirit of love, that doesn't mean you never get your feelings hurt. No. Doesn't mean you never get angry. Doesn't mean that nobody ever, doesn't mean you're never offended. No, you're human. But it means you've learned how to process that and work yourself through that so that on the whole, you don't have a bitter spirit. You don't have an angry spirit. You have an attitude of love. And I found that to be very interesting. Now, turn, if you would, to the Old Testament book of Genesis, very first book in the Bible, and go to the last chapter, Genesis chapter 50. I think we're all familiar with the story of Joseph, and you talk about somebody who had been offended and somebody who had experienced all kinds of injustices in his life. Bad things had happened to him in his life. His brothers had sold him. Oh, first thing they did, they got mad at him and threw him in a pit. And then they felt badly about that, so they pulled him out of the pit. And then some slave traders were traveling down to Egypt. And so they said, well, instead of us killing him, let's sell him and make money off of him. So they sold their brother. He goes to Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, he gets a pretty good job. But while he's working at this job, he's falsely accused of a crime he he never committed. He's accused of rape, sexual assault. That's a serious charge, but he didn't do it. He was innocent. And yet because of that false accusation, he ended up in prison while he was in prison one of his fellow prisoners was released, and then another one was released, and they said to Joseph, hey, we're being released. We're going to speak well of you. We're going to tell the king of this nation, uh, the Pharaoh, uh, to let you out. Well, those two guys got out of prison. They forgot about Joseph. Now, think about this. Thrown in a pit, mistreated by who? By his brothers, By his brothers. He was mistreated by his brothers. If you have been hurt by somebody who is close to you, uh, it hurts. I I remember hearing years ago, back in the 1970s, when Billy Graham's ministry was really uh, just being used in unbelievable ways. You know, the secret to his ministry, other than God, was that when he would go into a town, it was always at the request of the churches in that town. And so that crusade was promoted by churches, and the the pastors of those churches uh, encouraged their people to come, encouraged their people to invite friends. And so by the time Dr. Graham got to the crusade, he kind of had a built-in crowd. Because if you get 50 or 75 or 100 churches of all these different denominations committing to come to your uh, meeting, there's going to be a lot of people there. And that's what happened. Well, back in the 1970s, Billy Graham said, you know, I want to preach the gospel not only to all people as far as black people and white people. I want to preach the gospel to people from all different denominations. Now, he was Southern Baptist, but he said, I don't want to just preach to Southern Baptists. I want to preach to Methodists. I want to preach to Lutherans and Catholics and all. And so he began to invite ministers from these other denominations to sit on the platform with him during the crusade. Because after all, they were the ones who had gotten the people to come to the thing to start with. Well, in the 70s. He started inviting Catholic priests to sit on the platform because he was inviting Catholic churches to come. And Dr. Graham said, when I started inviting the Catholic priest to sit on the platform with me, I received tremendous criticism from my fellow Southern Baptist ministers because they said, you should never have a Catholic on the platform with you. And Billy Graham said, it hurt him so badly. And here's his quote. He said, I felt... As though my brothers had turned against me. Now he didn't give in to their criticism. He kept having the Catholics sit on the platform with him. But the point is, when it's somebody who's close to you who pulls a stunt like that, it hurts more than somebody you don't even know. So what I'm saying back to Joseph, it was his brothers who threw him in the pit. It was his brothers who sold him into slavery, and. Uh, It was his boss's wife who accused him of this uh, crime. It was his friends in prison who forgot to speak a good word for him. So you're talking about a guy who had lots of reasons to, to have bitterness and to hold grudges towards a lot of different people. And yet, look at the end of this story in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Now Joseph, his brothers have come to apologize. By this time, Joseph is out of prison. He's the prime minister in Egypt. And uh, God has turned the bad situation around into good. And look what Joseph said. As for you, you meant evil against me. In other words, you tried to destroy my life. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. alive. Now, how was Joseph free from bitterness? Because he looked at that situation from God's perspective. And he said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, let me ask you this question. How did Joseph know that God meant it for good? I'll tell you the way he knew God meant it for good, because of the way it ended up. He's out of prison. He's the prime minister. Uh, he's been faithful this whole th- time, and now God has promoted him. And so Joseph knew that God meant it for good by experience. Now, let me ask this question. Do you think Joseph could have said that same thing when he was down in that pit? Brothers just throw him in the pit, and here he is, betrayed by his brothers, alone in a pit, thinking he's going to die. Do you think Joseph could have said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good? I don't think he could have. He didn't. He didn't say this statement in the pit. Do you think when Joseph was in the prison, falsely accused, do you think Joseph could have said, hey, Potiphar's wife, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Do you think Joseph could have said that in prison? Maybe so, but he didn't speak those words when he was in prison. He spoke these words at the end of the saga when he had a perspective and he was able to see that God had taken what all these people meant for evil and God had turned it around for good. And so Joseph, from the perspective that he had at the end was able to say, God meant it for good. Now, here's the deal. When we're in the pit, as it were, or when we're in the prison and the situation is still going on and we're not the prime minister and we, God hasn't you know, completed the story, it's hard for us to say, God meant it for good. We can't say it from our perspective because from our perspective, we don't see any good. So we have to learn to say, God meant it for good. Now, you listen and say, Amen. Not from our perspective, but by faith. We have to say when we're in the pit, when we're in the prison, when we're betrayed, when somebody stabbed us in the back, when somebody was rude to us or rude to a family member, or here we are forgotten in a bad. We have to say before God even brings good out of it, God meant it for good. I can't see it right now. I'm not saying that. By my perspective, I'm saying that by my faith. And so, what am I saying here? We have to learn to look at it differently. Again, we look at it from our perspective. How did this make me feel? And that's just normal. That's part of it. But don't get stuck there. Try to look at it from God's perspective. And then the number four thing that I would say, if you're going to deal with a grudge, learn to let it go and to love the other person unconditionally. You see, this is, this is the fourth step. and the final. We do have to let it go. We don't start out letting it go, no. We start out letting ourselves be human and, and being able to verbalize how we feel and how we've been hurt. And then we begin to try to look at it differently and say, God, now, this is what's happened, but I know you don't want me to be bitter and angry and hold a grudge, and you don't want me to hate people. You know, that's my real concern at the beginning of the sermon when I said in, that I'm convinced the number one problem today is that... People not only don't like other people; the fact is, people just flat out hate other people, and we're seeing this nationally, and and on the political level, in ways that we've. It's just it is just a hatred, but it's not just there; it's in our lives, and it's in our businesses and in our homes, it's just hatred. Now, you know God doesn't want you to live like that and it's not good for you. And so what do we have to do? We have to learn to let it go and to love the other person unconditionally. Now, that's just another way of saying that we have to forgive them. We have to forgive them. That's what the word forgive literally means, to release, to let it go. It doesn't mean that you're excusing them. It doesn't mean that you're minimizing what they did. No, that, no, you're being honest about what they did with your emotions, that's what I'm saying. But you're saying, you know what? What they did was wrong. I may not ever be able to trust them as much as I used to trust them, or at least, you know, trust and forgiveness are two different things. Trust has to be rebuilt, but forgiveness is something we have to extend. And love is something we have to extend. Whether we can trust them or not, that's a whole other topic. But we have to forgive, and we have to let them know. Now, one thing that helps me when it comes to not holding a grudge, and I'm not saying I never do, because I'm sure I do some, but one thing that helps me at this point, it is remembering my own sinfulness. And to think, you know what, I'm not perfect. I sin. I can't expect somebody else to be perfect. There's something about just being mindful. John, you're not perfect, certainly. You sin way more than you ought to. And there's something about that. I I guess what I'm saying is I think a touch of modesty and humility helps us when it comes to forgiving others because, hey, we can't be all high and mighty and holier than thou. Who are we holier than? And so just think about your own sin. Now, in the conclusion today, I've written this down, and I think, it's a good, I think it's a good sentence. Now, not everybody's going to agree with this. Not every counselor would maybe agree, or maybe not even every minister would agree with the first sentence, but I think it's true. I don't think that it's possible to never get offended. I just don't think that's possible. I, I, I put in the sermon, in the bulletin, the sermon title for today, How to Be Unoffendable. And the more I thought about it, I thought, well, I don't think that's possible. I don't think you can be unoffendable. I I don't think that you can prevent being offended. But I do think this, you don't have to live offended. Somebody's rude to you or hurts you. You can't help that that hurts your feelings. You can't help that. But what you can do is say, you know what? I went to church today. It's a good day to go to church. Because John was hitting not only on what he perceives to be the number one problem for the world. I think he was hitting on what the number one problem is in my life. And what he said was, I can't help it if I get my feelings hurt. And I can't prevent being offended. But I don't have to live that way. And he gave us a process. And he said we should lower the expectation. Don't expect others to be perfect. They're not. And he said, I could let myself be human. It's okay to vent to a friend or a spouse or a co-worker and I, gotta get, I, can't, I don't have to suppress this or ignore these things. It's okay to feel the way I feel. Not only that, he said I should look at it differently from God's perspective and then eventually I have to learn to let it go and to love the other person unconditionally. Have you ever thought about this? God may have allowed whoever did whatever to happen to you so that you would have an opportunity to love unconditionally. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what's the big deal about that? Even the heathen live that way. And so I believe sometimes God allows somebody to come into our lives who does hurt our feelings, who does rub us the wrong way, who does stab us in the back, because God says, I've allowed that into your life. Because I wanted to give you an opportunity to love somebody unconditionally. We will receive no reward in heaven for loving people who loved us. For loving people who were easy to love. But I believe we will receive a reward in heaven if we can learn to love those who aren't so lovely. Who have hurt us. Who have done us wrong. And yet, we learn through this process to extend to them total forgiveness an unconditional love. Because if you think about it, when we do that, we're doing for them what God has done for us. Forgiving us and loving us unconditionally. Amen? And so, Pro- Father, it is a problem. We all know it is. We, we live down here and, and we're close to people and things happen and people do things. Or maybe sometimes people fail to do things that we think they should have. And, and we get our feelings hurt. God, is just part of our human psyche. You gave us these emotions, and yet, God, you don't want us to get stuck there and live like that forever. You want us to live free of that. You want our cortisol levels to be low and our serotonin levels to be high. You want us to be happy, not miserable. You want us to be light, not heavy in our spirit. And so, God, we confess we all struggle with this, and yet we believe that you can give us victory. Now with your heads bowed and eyes closed today, is there somebody that you are holding a grudge against? If there is, just be honest about it. It's okay. It's, God's not going to be mad if you say, God, I'm, I'm holding a grudge against so-and-so. Well, God already knows. Just say it. And say, God, you see what they do and how they just, God, you, you understand it. But, Lord, here I have an opportunity to forgive them and to love them unconditionally. And, God, that's what I really want to do. Forgiveness is going to get me out of that fight-or-flight mindset. It's going going to relax me. It's going to be good for me. But even more importantly, it's just going to be right. And so, God, today... Just like you have forgiven me of all my many sins, who am I to hold a grudge against them? Freely I have received. Freely I extend forgiveness. God, I let them go. I let them off the hook, and I choose to love them unconditionally. And God, going forward, help me just to lower my expectation and not to expect them to be perfect, because they're not going to be, neither am I. Thank you, God, for lifting this load off of me. In Jesus' name I pray, and all the people said, amen. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message and many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.